Fellow baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where there is no offseason. We talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from a Sully Baseball studio in Los Gatos, California, the birthplace of former Atlanta Braves shortstop Jeff Blauser. I'm feeling compelled to record a podcast today because of the absolute wackadoodle game that took place between the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox, and also to address something that was asked me by my dear friend Anna the Goat Farmer. Those are two separate things, and I'm kind of in a mindset where I'll, I'm going to record a podcast when I feel like it. And this may be a short one, this may be a long one, I haven't figured it out. But here's the deal. I don't understand how people can say there is a sport better than baseball. Because of what baseball can do. You have a game between a red-hot Cleveland Indians team, the defending American League champion, and they come to play the Red Sox. And the Red Sox win game one of the series. They're going to throw Chris Sale. Chris Sale will probably win the Cy Young Award this year. Probably, maybe not. I don't know. But when the Red Sox won game one of this series with Doug Fister pitching, I'm like, hey, we got Sale pitching game two. This is good for the Red Sox because they're probably going to win that game. And I was doing stuff I needed to get done. I'm in California time. By the time I looked up, I saw it was 5 nothing Cleveland in the second inning. And I thought to myself, Jesus, Sale got bombed. And I felt a little twinge of anger about that because, well, the Yankees have improved themselves. And remember when the Yankees looked dead from the neck up and they had that horrible West Coast trip and we're all laughing at them? And by we all, I mean me. I was laughing. I'm thinking, oh, man, another year where the Yankees aren't going to make the postseason. Ha, 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 ha. Another year where the Yankees don't make the postseason, the Red Sox do. Ha, wonderful times. Oh, man, and it's going to be a glorious day to be a Red Sox fan and all of that crap. And then... You know, you look at Sale, like, you know, Price pitches well. He pitched well against the Yankees, and Sale keeps going. Hell, we may win the pennant this year. This may be one of those years. You don't know. And then somehow, things turned around. The Red Sox couldn't win. They couldn't get the big hit. And so the Yankees couldn't lose, and the Yankees passed the Red Sox. And the Yankees made some good moves. Now, Sonny Gray, is he going to be healthy? I don't know, but they're not asking him to be healthy for a full season. And suddenly the Yankees had a strong rotation, especially with Tanaka pitching well and Sabathia not pitching that badly and Severino being an all-star. And then they picked up Robertson for the bullpen and I said, holy dog meat. How are the Yankees not only better in the standings, but better on paper now? Because, you know, everything's going wrong. Price is yelling at, at accuracy. I don't give a crap about that, but he's injured now. And like, oh my God, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Why are we, and, and this is an awful thing, that we're now living in a world where the Yankees are, are, are in first place and looking better in the long run 
How did this happen? How did we get here? I wanted the Yankees to miss the playoffs altogether. Tampa and KC were going to be better than the Yankees, and we were going to have a wonderful, wonderful October. Even if the Red Sox didn't win the pennant, I'd be happy. So here we are. Here we are, and suddenly I look up, and the Red Sox can't even win a game started by Chris Sale. And the one thing I had to cling to it was at least they're getting their ass kicked. At least it's not going to be a close game. And then suddenly the bizarre Douglas Adams-type game unfolded. The Red Sox scored five runs in the second inning. So suddenly this 5 nothing game where I can turn off going like, well, at least they're getting blown out, is 5-5. Five, five. And then it's 7-5 Cleveland. And then they bring in Andrew Miller, and Andrew Miller gets smacked around, and it's 9-7. And they bring in Addison Reed, the new eighth-inning guy. He lets up a home run. And then just after the announcer in the ninth inning, with the Red Sox winning 9-8. Now think about that. A game started by the pitcher who's probably going to win the Cy Young Award, and you gave him 9 and you have a closer where they said, man, you won't believe how great this guy is. He strikes out 400 batters per inning pitch. I don't even know how that's possible. Plus, his the batting average against is negative. I mean, it's like all these stats are incredible. Two strikes. Lindor looks ridiculously stupid at the plate. And what does he do? He hits an opposite field home run tie game. And then base hit, base hit walk, and then suddenly a wild pitch, and the Red Sox are losing 10-9. to 9. And I'm going, this game, I hate this game. I hate people. I, I, I'm rooting for the heat death of the universe. It's just, it's, it's an awful, awful thing that we have to experience things like this. Get to the ninth. First batter gets an out. Devers, the phenom who's batting $4 billion since coming up, Legs out an infield hit. Next batter pops up. And I'm thinking, this is it. It's 10-9. And I, I'm just angry. I said, why am I still listening to this, this damn game? And then Mitch Moreland fouled off 9,000 pitches. And check swing called third strike, or the, the umpire called called him out that he uh, he went too far. 10-9, two outs, strikeout, 10-9. And at that time, my uh, dear buddy and one of the first people to uh, give me a break on a podcast, Mike Lynch, saw that it was a strikeout on his MLB app. And the game was over. This ridiculous, stupid game was over. And he angrily turned off the app and expressed his anger and frustration at the Boston Red Sox bullpen. Except, of course, the ball got away from the catcher Gomes. And Moreland reached first in the Mickey Owens moment. God bless you if you get that reference. Called third strike, end of the game, ball gets away, next batter comes up.
Vasquez, two balls, one strike on him. Another wild pitch. Runners up at second and third. I'm listening to this game at this point, realizing this has gone officially cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And all I thought to myself was, little blue pit, little blue pit. That's all I want is a little blue pit. And Vasquez hit a drive to center field. Now, by the time the center fielder turned around, it didn't matter where it landed. Because if it was two, you know, two outs, they were running on contact. If it hit the wall, it would have been, you know, two, both runs were going to score. So the minute I heard the center fielder turned to the wall, that's, that's ball game. As it turned out, it went over the wall. Three-run walk-off homer by Christian Vasquez. Couple that with the fact that the Tigers beat the Yankees. And suddenly, after all of this, after all this disaster, after all these terrible things, and, after, and starting this, this month going like, what happened? Where, how did this happen? We are now in August. And the Red Sox are not just in first place, but if the playoffs started today, they would have the home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs against Cleveland. These same Indians. Now, do I think the Red Sox are going to win the pennant this year? No, I don't. I still absolutely believe the Cleveland Indians are going to win the pennant. I think the Indians are a stronger team. Hell, they they faced Sale and Kimbrell and scored a combined, what, eight runs off of those two pitches, seven, eight runs off of the two best pitches the Red Sox had. It just so happened everything went bananas today. I still think Cleveland's the deepest team in the American League. I still think Houston made a terrible mistake not shoring up their starting pitching staff. I still think the Yankees in a short series could be very dangerous. And who the hell knows what would happen if Kansas City goes in the postseason. And, you know, right now, Seattle and Tampa Bay are, are hanging around on the outside. And, whoa, look at this. Four-game winning streak. And the Baltimore Orioles are only four games out in the loss column of a playoff spot. Maybe that's why they didn't make all these moves at the at the trade deadline. Anyway, I do think I don't I I'm not backing down from my belief that Cleveland is going to win the American League pennant. But that being said, a win like this today just feels great because there's no reason why the Red Sox should win a game <clears throat> where Chris Sale lets up seven runs. And Kimbrell lets up two runs. So they combine for uh, nine runs charged to the two of them. And your best, two best pitchers combine for a run an inning, then that's, you shouldn't have, there's no, there is no, I mean, that, you don't deserve that win. But to paraphrase Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven, Deserving's got nothing to do with it. You got to win games you have no business winning. And that's what happens when teams are going to October. In a weird way, this bizarre game of which the Red Sox two starting pitchers, uh, the two, pit, two best pitchers, Sale and Kimbrell, looked like ass. 
made me think, wow, I think they're going to go. I think they're going to go to October because the Indians came into here red hot and the Red Sox won the series. They won the series getting great pitching from Fister and shit pitching from Sale. And tomorrow they got Porcello, who may have to give back his Cy Young Award, up against Bauer. It you know, in a way it doesn't matter how they do because they've already done what you want to do. You want to win series. Obviously, I'd love to see them win and get the sweep on Cleveland. But even if they don't, you take two out of three from Cleveland when you're spiraling and the Indians are on a great roll, you take that. By the way, doesn't this show one of the weird things about baseball? Because I, if the Red Sox don't win the World Series, well, I guess I'm, I'm pushing for, for Washington because of Sean Doolittle. But if the Red Sox don't make the World Series, then I certainly want Cleveland to because I love Francona. This team came within a swing of winning the World Series. And if the World Series is, say, Cleveland versus Los Angeles, which I actually think it will be, and I made that prediction a month ago on Sports Without Balls with Aaron Foley, or a little more than a month ago, actually, then I'll be rooting so hard for Cleveland, I'd probably be wearing my Cleveland hat. And yet when they play the Red Sox, I'm jumping up and down when they fall apart. That's the hierarchy of baseball. That's how it works. And I'm actually, for the first time in a while, thinking about my Red Sox going like, what if they do it? What if they do it? What if they get to the playoffs? If they get to the playoffs as a wild card team, and you have Chris Sale pitching, and you hope he pitches better than tonight, they could beat Kansas City. And then if they face Houston, um, I think that starting pitching would be almost evenly matched, and I think it would be a good series. If they face Cleveland, well, we saw today, they can beat Cleveland. It's possible. Could this Red Sox team win the pennant? Well, it ain't going to be pretty if it is, if they do. But this was one of the first times I thought like, huh, what if 2017 is one of those years? I still don't really think that. But the fact that it's in my head and that little seed has been planted. Okay, in 2004 there was a sense of we're going all in. And there was that hope that is this the team that's going to do it? In 2007, I thought they were going to go to the World Series. And once they won the pennant, I thought they were going to win the World Series. Um, I, the Angels were, were injured and not at full strength. I thought the Red Sox and Indians, even when they're up 3-1, I was working on the Dennis Miller sports show. I remember saying to Kevin Hench, who was my co-writer, I said, like, Beckett's going to win. They're going to go back to Boston and win the last two games. That's exactly what happened. Now, in 2008, I thought they were going to win the World Series. Even when they didn't win the division and Tampa Bay won the division, I, I really, really thought that the Red Sox were going to win it all. Right up until the final play. Even when the, the Rays were up 3-1. Now, when they took the big lead in that game five, but when they came back and won that and the Red Sox won game six, I really, really thought 
they were going to win that game seven right up until the end. Um, I didn't have the sense of them doing it in 09. And in 2013, I was kind of surprised because, uh, I, you know, I thought the Red Sox, A's, and Tigers were all very evenly matched. I thought any one of those three could have won the pennant. And when it was Red Sox, Tigers, and the Tigers won that first game, I really, I just didn't feel it. I said, like, do you want, I didn't expect this team to win the division. Tigers are probably a better team. And it it really wasn't, even with the home, the grand slam by Poppy and the cop jumping up and down, um, I, I still felt like, you know, okay, this is going to be tough. And the Tigers took that lead in game six. I thought, like, oh man, if this goes to seven, and Tigers are going to win. And it really wasn't until the end. And and even then against St. Louis, the team I picked to win the World Series at the beginning of the year, I, I the Middlebrooks didn't play. I thought, oh shit, this is going to be it. The Cardinals are going to win. So the 13 team, I didn't have that sense. This team, last year was playing with house money. They won the division. Um, I wanted them to go far, but I thought, no, this is, they made the playoffs. And I'm feeling that a little bit with this team. If they just just win the division, just win the division. That's what I want you to do. Just win another division. That'd be great. And I'd be actually would be perfectly satisfied with that. But this game today put it in my head. What if they do more than that? What if they go to the World Series? Oh, why are you talking like Jay Leno? I don't know. But you can't have a game like this in other sports. You can't. I mean, you have great basketball games this year. I know. You have a great hockey games. I know. You could have wild Super Bowls. We just saw one. But you can't have this. You can't have a regular season game like this. Because you're going to have this absolutely bananas game where you can't run out the clock. And then tomorrow, you got to meet up and do it again. This the everyday quality of baseball is what makes it so great because you have this amazing game, this wacko bananas cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs game. And in the end, these two teams have got to meet again in less than 24 hours. And the glory of this game could be wiped out or compounded. Can't do that in other sports. And that's why I can't fathom a game that I could love more than this. Now, I'm going to bring up one other little thing here. My dear friend Anna, who I've nicknamed Anna the Goat Farmer, has asked me about the Cubs giving a ring to Steve Bartman. Now, I've talked, I've made a video about this. I wrote a long blog post about this. I've talked about it here. There has been a lot of conversation of should. Cub fans forgive Steve Bartman. And I think that that is a deplorable question because the question is, should Steve Bartman forgive Cub fans? Steve Bartman, the fact that I know his name is disgusting because the it is bully culture is what it is. It's people picking on a little weak guy or someone who's perceived to be a little weak guy instead of putting the blame where it belonged. Steve Bartman didn't cost the Cubs shit. 
And if you have even the slightest inkling of blame from you know, before the championship, if you gave the slightest inkling of blame to Steve Bartman, it's because you are an idiot and a bad idiot, a harmful idiot. Steve Bartman did nothing. He reached for a foul ball that was in foul territory, just like everyone else did. And before that play, the Cubs were winning 3-1. Was it 3-1 or 3-0? Well, let's say 3-1. After the play, it was the same score. And the Cubs pitching, led by Mark Pryor, let up eight runs that inning. And Dusty Baker didn't have another pitcher warming up. And Alex Gonzalez bobbled a ground ball that would have been a double play. And Mike Mordecai, a guy with no power, hit a bases-clearing double. And the Marlins... How about giving the Marlins some credit? The Marlins got off the mat and scored eight runs, facing elimination in the, in the face. And we're going to blame Steve Bartman? For what? And the fact that we learned his name is so terrible. If you want to remember the foul ball and the fan reaching, oh, yeah, yeah, but then the, the pitching blew up and everything. You know? And instead of saying, hey, maybe it was Mark Pryor's fault. Maybe it was Dusty Baker's fault. Maybe it's Kyle Farnsworth's fault. Maybe it was Alex Gonzalez's fault. Maybe it's the fact that team choked. Maybe with millionaires who blew it on the biggest stage. Now, let's blame the little guy with the headsets on. And blame him. And give him death threats. And threaten to beat him up. And bring up his name even once. It's disgusting. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's nice that the Cubs made that gesture. It is. I actually think it is. It's a nice gesture. I have no problem with the team doing that. I do have a problem with any Cub fan who said, we forgive you, Steve Bartman. We forgive you. I'm going to get spiritual here. I'm not a spiritual person or a religious person. And uh, Ray, I hope I'm not treading on anything here. But sometimes we get things backwards. Uh, I have uh, I've talked to people about the Ten Commandments, um, the fact that I there's a bunch of the Ten Commandments that I think are I, I don't really think are relevant for life, quite frankly. Um, you know things like you know you'll have no God before me. All right, fine, that's one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, there's a bunch of things that I think are. I find to be a little ridiculous for the 10 rules to live your life by. And one I've brought up is the idea of honor thy father and mother. That's a commandment. And I've said that I think that's backwards. I think the commandment should be, thou shalt be an honorable father or mother. Don't command the child to honor the parent. Command the parent to be worthy of honor. Because you can be a terrible parent, and a terrible parent should not be honored. Likewise, the question of should Cub fans forgive Steve Bartman? 
Sometimes the question is asked in a backwards manner. The child should not be commanded to honor their parents. They should honor them because the parent is worthy. And Steve Bartman should not ask for forgiveness because he did nothing wrong. It is the Cub fans who have sinned. It is the Cub fans who have not been honorable. And the Cub fans are the ones who should be on their knees begging for forgiveness. The Cubs organization, they're not the ones who did this. And the fact that they sent this conciliatory olive branch to Steve Bartman is a nice gesture, and I do like it. But there are a lot of Cub fans who are crying and saying, go Cubs, go, and everything like that, who were bullying Steve Bartman for all those years. And saying his name with any derision is a form of bullying. I hate bullying. I hate it big time. It's pushing a little kid. It's pushing someone who is at least perceived to be weak and showing your power over them. That's my problem with that commandment. There's a little bullying going on there. You honor this person. No, tell them to be honorable. I don't like bullying. And Steve Bartman was bullied. And what I hope he does is this. I hope he accepts it. And I know he's very private. I know he doesn't want to be seen because of the death threats he got for reaching for a foul ball that was in foul territory. Think about that for a second. Death threats on that. That's as stupid as death threats over a Danish cartoon. Someone gets that reference. I hope he does post a picture on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. With him with the ring on his finger. But I don't want it on his ring finger. I want Steve Bartman to put that ring on his middle finger. And point it at Instagram. And say, here you go. Cub fans, all you Cub fans who yelled at me, who made me fear for my life, I've got a World Series ring and you don't. And go fuck yourselves along the way. Sorry, Ray. That's my thoughts on it. I really, 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 really hope that with this comes the fact that Bartman becomes the most obs- one of the most obscure names you could ever have. Bill Buckner is fading into obscurity. He did that great thing in Curb Your Own Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Sorry, Curb Your Own Enthusiasm. Buckner got a standing ovation in 2008. And like Bartman, Buckner never had to apologize for anything. He didn't lose them the World Series. The one main difference is Buckner is a player. Buckner was on the field. Buckner did affect the game. He wasn't a fan. When you go to a ballpark, the back of the ticket is basically a release for your appearing on television. You do know that, right? Then once you get there, they scan your ticket. That's one of the things on the fine print on your ticket is 
it allows, you're giving the permission, it's like a blanket release that you're giving permission to, for that your likenesses can appear on television. That prevents, you know, when 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 Fox has their cameras or MLB Network or whomever has their cameras going around at the ballpark, they can zoom in on whomever the hell they want. And you can't say, wait a minute, you can't, you have to blur my face out. You know, otherwise you'd have every, you know, 45,000 people would have to sign releases. This is, you go in there, you understand cameras are there. And if we want to show your face, fine. Steve Barman, like everybody else, had that on the ticket, giving them permission for their likeness. But it doesn't give their permission for making their name public and everything else about them public. Bartman didn't sign up for that. And he didn't deserve that. There are so many bad people in the world who deserve our derision, our anger, deserve to be villains. Some of them are sports figures. Some of them are fans. I'm sure there's plenty of fans there who do awful things. And I don't know crap about Steve Bartman, except that he loves the Cubs. And when Luis Castillo hit a foul ball, he reached for it. That's all I know. Steve Bartman could be the loveliest guy in the world. He could be a jerk. I don't know. All I know is he's gotten a lot of crap. He deserves that World Series ring? Sure. Fine. The Cubs should give him a private box, but with tinted windows, so no one can look in on him. Fine. Hell, instead of signing a, a uh, utility infielder for $2 million, they should put him on the payroll for $200,000 or something like that. Just, you know what? You've taken a lot of crap from us. Here you go. Yeah, well, that's, that's what... what, what uh, Chris Bryant's going to make that per hour. In fact, maybe the Cubs should all do this. You know what? Do a collection. We all give $100,000 to Bartman because he's taken a lot of crap. Either way, I want him to be super obscure. And then when people look at this story 10 or 15 years with the Cubs having won a world championship, maybe winning a second one at some other point. You know, I rattled off the Red Sox 1-3 recently. Maybe the Cubs have won multiple ones and the memory of any hardship of being a Cubs fan starting to fade away. There's no hardship of being a Red Sox fan now, especially when you consider it's been, what, uh, 13 years since they won that championship? That when people try to explain why Bartman was a you know, a, a focus of derision and as a goat, people will just look at it with incredulity, like, what? What are you talking about? That makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. It never did. Put that ring on your middle finger and point it towards the camera, Steve Bartman. It's a wild game. It's a crazy game. I love the game. And Bartman, please enjoy obscurity. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been an impromptu, uh, totally improvised Sully Baseball podcast for the first day of August 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do you know what? 
Call Me Sully. <laughs>